the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You are on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomkline.com. While you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week. Some amazing entrepreneurs, some amazing people I cannot wait to introduce you to. And we are going to get this program started with uh, my first guest who uh, launched her first company at the age of 22 and has since raised and distributed over $20 million of private investment for private clients, for-profit entities, and NGOs. Emily Mishler joins me on the air. Emily, welcome to Get Down to Business. Shalom, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, it's great to connect with you. And uh, Emily, you are the founder and managing director of the Cultivated Group. And I just uh, read a bit of your bio, but you certainly have a very entrepreneurial entrepreneurial heart. Uh, tell me a little <laughs> bit about yourself and how, uh, uh, how, how your life's journey has led you into this world of entrepreneurship. And I cannot wait to talk about some of the projects you're involved in. Sure. Thank you so much. I mean, it's a really exciting time to be in the entrepreneurial world. Um, so, I mean, growing up, I was all, I always had my hands, I like to say, in a bunch of different cookie pots. My parents inspired me really to follow my dreams, but also to try a bunch of different things and a bunch of different hat on, hats on just to see what fits. So I've always been involved in a lot of different things, but really throughout my career, I have realized that the multi-passionate nature of who I am and how I was raised, just a combination of um, kind of opportunities that I jumped into and also um, just yeses that I said, those have led to where I now am, which I think we can all really relate to. But the Cultivated Group, I mean, what we do is three different kinds of consulting. One is for nonprofit organizations, one is for more startup, small business entities, and then one is for creatives, which is the thing right now that I'm most excited about, at least at the moment, because we've just launched our first children's book series and actually have been developing the publishing arm, a little boutique publishing firm that we're really excited to be launching into the world and making available to people. I'm very excited to hear all about it. And your your education is also fascinating. Uh, degrees, a BA and BS from Purdue University and the University of Notre Dame, an MBA specializing in philanthropy and MNA. Um, so you certainly have the uh, the requisite experience and 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 backgrounds to really make substantial changes. And I share your passion in the nonprofit world. So uh, you just mentioned uh, the published book, children's book. Uh, Esme the Curious Cat. So tell us the story of that, because I have no doubt our listeners are absolutely fascinated with your journey. (laughs) 
So after the master's, I was actually working in corporate philanthropy and realized throughout not only my undergraduate experience, but again, even going back to my childhood, that service is at the heart of who I am and what I do, not at the expense of self, but really at the heart of the impact I want to have on this world. So um, I, after finishing up the master's, I was in corporate philanthropy and just really realized that I wanted to experience more of the world myself rather than getting someone else's regurgitated experience or kind of a cookie cutter experience of what we're fed through the media, I was really curious about understanding on my own terms. So I bought a one-way plane ticket to Hong Kong and really did the whole millennial travel thing. Um, At the time, as the Cultivated Group, we were working with someone helping them build a digital marketing agency. So we were still collecting clients and really working to serve those around us, but also get a more comprehensive view of kind of a bird's eye view of the world rather than just a peripheral. So um, from that, I kept all of it off of social media. And as made the curious cat is an attempt really to communicate the connections that I experienced myself, but also that I believe we all experience as humans through COVID. I think we really have seen this um, just, just sharing different things, despite culture, despite cultural differences and despite, um, many of the differences we do have and a lot of times are perceived to have really connecting us through through those differences and connecting us through experiences and through culture and long story short esme and the esme the curious cat brand is really an attempt to get that into the minds and hearts of kiddos Mm -hmm. and help them to realize that they have the ability to be the change they wish to see in the world even from the age of three Amazing, amazing, and and Emily, I uh, I find it fascinating. Uh, Esme uh, is not just a a book, but I know uh, your website, which we'll share with our listeners shortly. You have a number of free activities, so it really is about a message um, that that curiosity. And um, I I love the quote that you have on your on your website: "Be the change you wish to see in the world." And it sounds like your journey, your your curious journey, um, certainly has led you and is now inspiring you to help others experience the same things. And certainly COVID has done a number on all of us. And, uh, you know, our curiosity uh, instincts and our travel bug, as it, as it may be, um, has certainly uh, been hit. Um, but there are still many ways that, uh, that people can uh, learn and be curious and, and continue on that journey. So uh, I'm chatting with Emily Mitchler, uh, again, the founder of The Cultivated Group uh, and the publisher of Esme the Curious Cat. Uh, Emily, what is the Cultivated Group? What are some of the projects you're involved in and how are you bringing all of that education, all of that just, I know, boundless energy in the, uh, in the impact space um, <laughs> into, uh, into the lives of, of those that might be listening this evening? Sure. So I think it starts with the everyday interactions that we have. I mean, something that we really truly try and live by is that phrase that we have on our website. It is, be the change we wish to see in the world. I mean, the cultivated group itself, all of the businesses that we have, um, they all have cultivated in the name because we absolutely always believe in growth. It might all, it might not always feel like we're growing upwards. Sometimes it might feel like we're growing downwards, you know, but we believe in expansion and growth from every dimension because that to our definition is, is a full life and is engaging in the art of living. Um, and again, not always pretty. Right. But it's something that we truly believe in and really live out every day. So some of the projects that we're working on, we work with clients to be able to raise funds, whether they're nonprofit, for profit, helping connect them with the individuals who um, have the funds that are available and are also mission aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and also may have more business acumen to be able to also advise 
as to how to distribute those funds. We also help out with strategic planning, making sure that you can actually um, live out that mission that you are so closely trying to nail down every day and really make an impact in the world every day. We help provide tools to be able to help you to do that. Um, but really what we found is just having open conversations, really like the ones that are had on your show, those can sometimes be the most impactful conversations because it requires a level of confidence, but also a level of self-awareness and vulnerability that we really hope to bring into the business space as more of the younger entrepreneurial um, founders and people who are in this space as they continue to grow and become the senior leaders of whatever they're managing. We hope to bring those more softer people-driven skills also into this business world that hasn't always um, that hasn't always sought those. Absolutely. And Emily, I want to make sure our listeners know where they can reach you, um, both for the Cultivated Group as well as to learn about, uh, about Esme the Curious Cat. And I know that uh, activities and a whole uh, curriculum guide is, is being rolled out uh, over the coming months. But um, can you share some contact information? Absolutely. So our website with The Cultivated Group is thecultivatedgroup.co, as is our social. We're on um, both Facebook, Instagram, and also LinkedIn. For Esme the Curious Cat, it's just esmethecuriouscat.com. Our books are available on our website, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, at Walmart. Um, We're working with some really incredible people on our team who are able to make that happen, and our social is also Esme the Curious Cat. Well, congratulations on everything. And Emily, before I let you go real quick, I'm curious in your entrepreneurial journey, um, what was the, what's the thing that you enjoy most and what do you enjoy least in business? Hmm, That's a good question. You know, I actually think it's the same. Um, (laughs) I love and also I'm terrified by the uncertainty, but what I'm really, the more that I learn and the more that I grow and, um, figure my own stuff out, right? Not necessarily even in business, but I realized that that uncertainty is where the beauty is and where the gems are and really where the treasures of life are buried. So um, it's both, it's the excitement and also the paralyzing fear. You know, I think it's, it's two sides of the same coin, but really in the challenge that is figuring that out, that's both my yeah, I think that's my answer. Okay, well, of course, the reason I ask is obviously you are the uh, you are uh, the, the the brains behind Esme the Curious Cat, and and certainly uh, for those that might be listening uh, on Get Down to Business this evening, you know it 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 is a journey. Uh, business entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is indeed a journey, and hopefully, you can learn from those experiences. And it's always fascinating to learn from all of our guests. So, Emily Mitchler, absolutely thrilled um, that you were able to join us this evening. Come back and share more of. Uh, more of your stories, more of your journeys, and how you are helping those in the for-profit, not-for-profit space. And uh, I'm sure there will be a book number two and three and come back and inspire uh, all of those on Get Down to Business. (laughs) Thank you so much, Shalom, and take care, everyone. Absolutely. And coming up after the break, I will be joined by Rachel Getz from the Cook County Sheriff's Office. Really, really excited for that conversation. Continuing the conversation about entrepreneurship. You are listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, ShalomKlein.com. That's where you can download podcasts from the six plus years of this program. Chicago, don't touch that dial. We will be right back. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And I will admit, I have been so excited for this next conversation, for this next guest. I am absolutely thrilled, as promised, to be joined by Rachel Getz from the Cook County Sheriff's Office. Rachel, welcome to the program. Hi, Shalom. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. And um, you are 
uh, doing some amazing, amazing things. You are working with Cook County jail inmates that uh, helping them develop plans, as uh, WTTW said, uh, developing plans for business and life. And what I'm referring to is the entrepreneurship program that has launched at the Cook County jail and is really accomplishing some absolutely incredible things. But before we get there, Rachel, um, please tell me about yourself and tell me about uh, your time at the sheriff's office. Yeah, um, thank you. So I am from Evanston, Illinois. Uh, I went to Evanston Township High School. So um, growing up in Evanston, um, you know, a fairly diverse community, I have been aware of some of the racial inequities and issues around the criminal justice system. Um, And I developed a passion and an interest in working in that field. Um, After working in advertising for a few years uh, out of college, I decided I wanted to kind of shift careers and do something that made a little more of an impact. Um, So I went back to school and I got a master's program with Northwestern. Uh, It's called a master's of science in law. And during that time, I did a lot of volunteering in the community and um, ended up volunteering at Cook County Jail. Uh, teaching GED, and that actually kind of led me to where I am now. Uh, so as as Shalil mentioned, I work for uh, the Cook County Sheriff's Office in the programs department in the jail, uh, run and facilitate an entrepreneurship program. It's, it's incredible, and as soon as I heard this, I knew that this was a story for our show. But more importantly, and I'll, I'll just be uh, totally honest with our listeners, a program that I will get so super involved in because this, uh, this is really everything that I'm all about. And I hope that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have our call to action um, before we wrap up um, of how people can get involved. But really, uh, as your boss, Sheriff uh, Tom Dart, said uh, that many of the programs, um, and there are many uh, that, that are offered, it's really to, uh, to help uh, the uh, the detainees um, in the Cook County uh, Jail uh, leave the jail and go back to their communities and not come back to the prison system. And that's exactly what the entrepreneurship program is all about, teaching them skills, but also giving them the confidence that they need. So, Rachel, tell us a little bit about the program, how it was uh, developed, and most importantly, some of the outcomes, some of the people that have come through the program. Yeah. So, um, you know, the program started about a year and a half ago. Um, when I started working uh, for, you know, Tom Dart at the sheriff's office, uh, as you mentioned, he's really supportive of bringing new ideas to the jail, um, you know, allowing people to be productive while they're in custody and then, you know, giving them opportunities for when they get out. Uh, so I had taken some of the skills I learned in that program I mentioned and um, where I learned some of the steps to starting a business. And I took that curriculum and I adapted it um, to include some elements uh, for a jail setting. So, The entrepreneurship program is a 12-week program that teaches detainees how to start a small business. Uh, The first four weeks really focus on entrepreneurial skills, uh, job readiness training. So we work on setting goals, writing resumes, interview prep. And then um, the next eight weeks, the participants break out into teams and they work on developing a business plan and doing a business pitch. So um, they learn, you know, all the components of starting a business, competitive analysis, value proposition, marketing, Um, And then outside of the classroom, they work on developing their business plan. Um, And yeah, so as you mentioned, we, there have been about six detainees um, that have gotten released are back in the community and have started businesses now. Um, And they're really excited about it. I'm really excited about it. I know we've talked about it a little bit, um, you know, and developing some type of, you know, continuation in, you know, as they're growing their businesses. Um, So yeah, that's, that's, 
where the program is at right now. It's amazing. And over the coming weeks on Get Down to Business, uh, I, I cannot wait to hopefully profile some of those stories. Um, but we can talk a little bit about it now. But I, I will say that, again, um, the uh, the participants in the program, they're, they're participating in a workshop setting. They're participating in, you know, in, in, as teams. And, uh, you know, what what uh, the, the message that I take from this is, you know, that that these detainees, that they are setting themselves up for success for their future. And while, you know, a lot of things about their their trials or or their their experience in the jail, some of that is now in some ways out of their hands. But what doesn't need to be out of their hands is their future. And they are taking their, their future into their own hands. And thanks to uh, the amazing people in the jail system like you and like uh, Tom Dart, you are uh, you are setting them up for success and bringing that success back to their neighborhoods. And anybody that listens to this show knows how passionate I am about economic development. And this is the way to bring economic development into, frankly, some very hard hits neighborhood in, neighborhoods in the Chicagoland area. So, um, again, I'm chatting with Rachel Getz from Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart's office. Um, and we're talking about the entrepreneurship program. So, Rachel, we will profile um, some of the graduates of the program and talk about how we are hopefully pairing them up with mentors, um, business owners in the community. But, Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, just generally some some of the businesses that have come as a result of the uh, education that's been offered? Yes, definitely. So um, I will. And, and as you mentioned, you know, I know you hope to feature some of them, so I won't go too deep into their businesses. <laughs> but um, so just to give you a sense of what they're doing right now, um, one of the participants, Novi, he started a landscaping company. Um, it's been about six months and he's just starting to hire his first employee. Um, so he's excited about that. Um, Lawrence, he started a food service, uh, Cajun Cuisine, which is something he had a passion about that he was doing for a long time. Um, and he's actually going back to culinary school as well to kind of grow his business and his skill set. And then one of the participants, Sean, uh, he has a marketing firm, which he actually had before he uh, came into custody. But he kind of learned and took some of the new skills he learned in the program and is using those to expand and grow his business and rebrand his business. Um, Kyle is another one of the participants who has started a mobile detailing business focused on uh, detailing cars at the dealership. So going to the dealerships, um, so they, instead of them having to come to him. Uh, and then Vincent, who has started a security contracting agency, um, he actually is working closely with one of the volunteers uh, that comes into the program. We have a few different volunteers that are entrepreneurs in the community that come in to speak about their experience starting a business. And he's been working with one of uh, the volunteers who has a clothing store, a clothing store called uh, GQ Gentlemen and his business association to kind of form con a contract with him. So um, those are, that's kind of an overview of the five businesses that sure. are starting. And, and as I mentioned, we are hoping uh, and we are working, I, I will say, uh, very collaboratively and working closely over the past uh, number of weeks and will be working closely to uh, pair each of those uh, entrepreneurs with mentors. And, you know, I will say, uh, if anybody's interested in learning more about the program, I'll, of course, link um, to some of the media coverage and uh, and and some of the information uh, through my website, um, but feel free to contact me through through our website, and uh, you can uh, potentially uh, put yourself and and offer your your resources to potentially pair up, and and uh, I'll be sure to get you in touch with with Rachel over here. Um, but Rachel, uh, I, I'm curious as you dreamed up this program and. In this case, a dream turned into a reality. Um, what, what did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine that you'd have five 
entrepreneurs just a year and a half later coming out and actually really contributing uh, and, and establishing their own businesses quite in the way that it has taken off? Um, you know, I, I hoped that that's what would happen. And that, you know, obviously was one of my goals when I was starting the program. But uh, no, I, you know, I, it was very exciting for me and for them when they, you know, got out and started, yeah. you know, were able to actually use some of these skills and start their businesses. And, um, you know, it was, it's, uh, it was unexpected to see that happen so quickly. And, um, you know, some of the vision I have for this moving forward as it grows is, you know, that mentorship piece, as you mentioned, right. um, where they can come back in and, and kind of be part of the class and uh, show people that, you know, this isn't just something they learn in the classroom, but they can actually utilize these skills. And this can be something real. And they have, you know, real opportunities to develop businesses in their neighborhoods and in their own communities, um, as you mentioned earlier. It's incredible. Again, we're chatting with Rachel Getz from the Cook County Sheriff's Office talking about the entrepreneurship program that has been instituted at the Cook County Jail. Uh, incredible, incredible program. And Rachel, real quick before uh, before I let you go, um, are there any other uh, sort of programs and innovations? I know that uh, that is a highlight and a trademark of uh, Sheriff Dart is bringing in creative ideas into the jail. Um, anything else that you want to give a shout out to? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Cook County Jail is a unique place in that we do have a lot of programs. Um, we have programs that um, are run by the program department staff, as well as a number of volunteers that come in from the community Um there are unique programs such as chess, um, yoga. Uh, we have a culinary program that uh, learns how to cook pizzas and kind of serves as an internship program in the jail. Um, uh, and along with that, you know, substance abuse and mental health programs. And I, I think it's absolutely awesome that, um, you know, somebody like yourself is there and that is uh, that is a priority for the jail is, again, again of course, creating uh, programs, innovative programs in the jail population uh, to ensure that uh, that those that come through the system can exit um, in a better place than uh, than than when they started. And uh, huge congratulations to you, Rachel. I cannot wait to continue working with you. You can get um, on the uh, learn more about the program, um, look it up online, but certainly get on my website, shellemcline.com, and I'll link to everything. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. Cannot wait to highlight and profile and interview uh, the entrepreneurs from the program. Thank you. Me too. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. And coming up after the break, I'm going to be sharing more small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business, and we will be right back. Hey, welcome back, Chicago. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Jim Orging, um, the Vice President of Sales for HHP uh, Lift. And HHP Lift is an incredible movement, I'll say, of uh, building, uh, building and creating job opportunities uh, for folks from underserved communities, creating a social enterprise with workforce development programs that support and expand job opportunities for people with significant barriers to fair wage employment. Jim, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm fantastic. So excited to have you and so, so, so proud of all that you and your team are doing um, at HHP Lift, but I am super excited for uh, for Wednesday night. Um, I think it's Wednesday night, August twenty sixth um, is going to be an incredible, incredible uh, evening of uh, entertainment. Uh, Jim, tell us what's going on. Well, yeah, so we are doing our sixth annual fundraiser, but it's our first one virtually. So we're excited and nervous all at the same time. Um. The event is going to be hosted by a great guy named Nandi um, Nguye, 
And he got his start right here in Chicago at O Improv with a group uh, called uh, The Three Peat. And um, he has um, short videos on Comedy Central, and he's soon to be seen in a movie called The Blackening. And he will be our host um, for the event. And um, the event, which is only an hour long, it's on the 26th, like you said, from 7 to 8 p.m., um, will show, um, it'll definitely be lighthearted, and it'll show videos of our success stories and um, videos of the partners that we, um, that we work with. And we will also have an on-site walkthrough of our workshop where we've created our own social enterprise um, making um, bath and spa products. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, and uh, I've I've worked with your team and learned a lot about uh, your products, which are uh, socially responsible, eco friendly, unique materials, all that amazing stuff. So definitely, we'll make sure our listeners know where they can buy your products online um, because it's amazing, amazing products. But what uh, it blows me away is your mission and how you are changing people's lives through the jobs you are creating around your products, and uh, it's exciting. So I definitely will be there on Wednesday night. It's going to be fun, um, but supporting your really good entrepreneurial cause. So, uh, Jim, you are the VP of sales. I have to say, you don't have a very hard job because your product sells itself um, with its incredible mission. Tell us your uh, your journey and what inspires you most about the work that uh, HHP Lift does. Well, the inspiration is easy, and it's the team um, that um, our president, Dina Hirschberg, and our founder, um, Michael Arkis, put together. Um, but it's also just um, the people that walk in and the, the, the associates that, and the different organizations that we work with, um, exposing them to um, different opportunities and things that they haven't been exposed to. For instance, um, we have yoga in the office, um, which is a little different now um, than it was pre-COVID. But um, we have associates who have never been exposed to um, um, that type of exercise. Weekly, we have a community lunch where we partner with a um, uh, organization on the south side called Growing Home. And we bring in um, vegetables that they grow and have community lunch with, uh, with making different, you know, salads. Um, just things that... Uh, Every day I'm amazed yeah. at, at the things that we are able to accomplish. And people can get a small team. glimpse of it um, by participating on Wednesday, again, August 26th, um, the uh, first virtual fundraiser. And I will be there with my chips and salsa that I love uh, so much, but you can bring any <laughs> other foods or even drinks. Bring your margarita yep. with, too. And you can uh, right. have a fun, entertaining evening while supporting HHP Lift's mission to create job opportunities for individuals with barriers to employment. And the best part is the tickets are only $25, Jim, right? That is correct. And real easy to get, hhplift.com, and we have our fundraising information right there. And if, and if you don't want to participate um, in the fundraiser, there's also um, um, uh, sponsoring opportunities and the fund a need, which you can all learn on the website. Yeah, it's it's amazing, Jim, and I cannot encourage our listeners enough to get on the website, hhplift.com, to learn more about the fundraiser, but also about uh, all of the products that are being offered and the community that really you're, you're building through your workshops, um, and I, uh, I'm 
you know, I cannot thank you enough for all the amazing, amazing things that you are doing and the impact, most importantly, uh, that, uh, that you are having. Can you share that website one more time with our listeners? Absolutely. It's www.hhplift, all one word, dot com. Fantastic. Evening of entertainment um, will, de- will be taking place again Wednesday, August 26th, and you could get on the website for only a $25 purchase ticket. And hey, you know, go all out, buy a couple of tickets and uh, share it with um, share with friends, family, neighbors, uh, colleagues from work, and uh, your uh, dollars will be used for an amazing, amazing cause, and you'll be able to participate in a full hour of Laughter and Heart uh, hosted by a, an amazing comedian, improv artist, incredible human being, and also get a sneak peek of the Lyft Workshop in action. Um, and uh, and there will be uh, some amazing, amazing stories being told. Jim Her- Jim Warshing, thank you so much for joining me on the air. I appreciate it. Thank you, Shalom. I appreciate it, too. Absolutely. And coming up after the break, I am thrilled to talk to you, to talk with some other amazing, amazing people that have been doing some incredible things, including in Lebanon. Lebanon has been in the news quite a bit. Um, so we'll be having that conversation in just a moment with Todd and Barry. Don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. You are listening to Get Down to Business, and you could get on my website, shalomkline.com, to download podcasts from the past six-plus years of amazing conversations. And we try to be timely, we try to be relevant, and uh, like many of our listeners, I've been following the news out of Lebanon, that uh, deadly explosion in Beirut, um, very carefully. But fortunately, we've got some subject matter experts on the line with us. I am absolutely thrilled and honored to have um, with us on the air, uh, Rabbi Barry Axler, my dear, dear friend, and Todd Granger um, joining us, who uh, actually visited Lebanon not all that long ago. Welcome, Rabbi Barry, and welcome, uh, Todd. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome, Shalom. Thank you. It's, it's, it's great to be with you. Absolutely. So, uh, Barry, I'm going to start with you, uh, if you don't mind, because actually you and I, we went on a uh, journey together. Um, we were in Iraq um, and we were visiting um, mm-hmm. Christian uh, Christians that in northern Iraq that have been persecuted from ISIS, persecuted in so many ways. And I know your Lebanon trip, which we're going to talk about in a moment, was sort of an extension of that because you care deeply about uh, trying to make a difference on humanity. Barry, tell us some of your reflections. Uh, Sure. Um, You know, in the Bible, it is mentioned what birds we shouldn't eat, okay? You know, that we're prohibited from eating. And one of the birds mentioned is a stork. So why the stork? And the answer given is that the stork takes care of its own, which is very nice, but it doesn't take care of others. And I've built both my career and my life on reaching out to take care of others. I can't ask others to help the Jewish community to stand with the Jewish community if I'm not willing to stand with the other communities. I was at APAC about three years ago at their policy conference, and there was a wonderful, a very moving documentary that was done by the Clarion Group out of Jerusalem, and it uh, featured, focused on uh, how the Christians are being persecuted in the Middle East. And while it touched on various countries, the main one it touched on was Iraq. Mm. And I came back, and I was telling you about it because I was very moved, and you said you knew the perfect person, and through that, you and I got to experience uh, that situation in Iraq firsthand and how the Christians 
were being persecuted first by ISIS. They were decimated. Uh, they went from 5 million people down to 1.5 million. And then by the Kurds or currently by, you know, by the Kurdish government. And as a result of that trip, one of the other members of our group had a state department connection and he introduced me to her and she said, you know, I have a friend who's putting together a trip to Lebanon that I'd like you to meet. And the, and it was Todd and, and Todd and I met and, uh, uh, that's how it happened. Amazing. And actually, and actually the Lebanon trip was even more serious and I think more dangerous than the Iraqi trip because Lebanon is controlled by Hezbollah. They have about 7 million people of which 1.5 million are Christians. But in addition to the 7 million, not counted, are about 2 million Syrian refugees and about a million Palestinian refugees. So now you're talking 10 million people, of which 1.5 are Christians, and uh, they are really being persecuted. Absolutely. They don't get their fair share of the money, not even the own Lebanese uh, government money, but even world money goes to the, goes you know, to the refugees. So they're, they're in a very, very terrible situation. Absolutely. And I'm the, chatting with my the, very dear friend, Rabbi Barry Axler, who again joined me on a, on a, on a really an incredible mission um, to Iraq. And we're talking about the, uh, about Lebanon. Um, Rabbi Barry, you went to, uh, to Lebanon and saw the terrible situation. And that was terrible before this deadly blast. You went with Todd Granger. We're going to talk to Todd in, uh, in just a moment. But Barry, any, any, I, I know you went before this blast, but tell us again, I know you were just starting a little bit about what you saw on the grounds. Right, right. So first of all, there's tremendous, tremendous corruption throughout Lebanon. Lebanon is very tribal in the sense, but the main tribe happens to be the Hezbollah. And they and they just control everything. In addition to having 100,000 rockets poised at Israel on the northern border, it, it, there is such corruption going on. Uh, the fair share of the money never gets down into the Christian community. Uh, there, there's uh, levels of poverty and levels of suffering that it's just very hard to describe. They have, for example, they have no social security system. They have no pension system. And you have to leave your job at age 65. So you have engineers and college professors living under bridges and um, uh, food. You know, we saw some remarkable food banks and, and other services trying to help. But with the corruption and with strong arm of the Hezbollah government, uh, I'm not sure uh I'm not really sure anything can really be done to help save a country that was once a magnificent country. And then, of course, and and then, of course, the bla uh, the blast. And there are many expert uh, experts who believe that the Hezbollah was storing that material for years to use in bombs, to use in rockets against Israel. So the fact that it went off was not a surprise to to, um, you know, to many people. And I have to, on a positive note, I have to commend the Israeli government and the Israeli people, because even though they're at war with Lebanon, okay, you know, technically, they reached out and they said, we're ready to take in, to take in your victims of this and provide them with medical aid and with humanitarian aid. Buildings in Tel Aviv had the Lebanese flag on the building. So it was really a remarkable outpouring of trying to help a neighborhood neighbor country even though there is a state of war and one only hopes that um in the near future that state of war will, absolutely will not be 
Barry, I cannot thank you enough for all that you have done to uh, to 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 put yourself out there and see firsthand what's going on on the ground. In a moment, I'm going uh, and we're going to squeeze in a quick break, and I'm going to chat with Todd Granger. He'll tell us more about his perspective from Lebanon, and hopefully, we could have a call to action about how people can. While while the Lebanese government might be challenged, the people are not. We'll be right back, and we'll talk all about it. I'm rejoined on Get Down to Business by two heroes. Uh, have just been chatting with Rabbi Barry Axler, who again joined me on a trip to Iraq and subsequently went to Lebanon. This was pre uh, the Beirut uh, blast and explosion that killed so many, so many people. And Todd Granger, the organizer of that trip to Lebanon, uh, is continuing the conversation with me now. So, Todd, um, we just heard from uh, Rabbi Barry a little bit about his reflections, but tell us a little bit about some of the things you have seen uh, time and again uh, on the ground over there, and most importantly, what our listeners can do to help. I appreciate it, Shalom. I'm uh, uh, a... uh Middle East veteran of about six years of my business, and I traveled across the region on behest of uh, my staff that said, Do you really need to know about the Middle East? And, you know, I'm very impressed with uh, you two visiting Iraq. It's, it's a much different situation for Christians there who really are looking over their shoulder to uh, maintain their, their heartbeat. Uh, but the significance of Lebanon is, is just so unique to not only Christianity, but the, the whole world is by its example of, you know, religious coexistence, uh, tolerance, and openness. And, you know, they, they're inclusive of diverse communities and cultures. This is the way the world is supposed to mature. And, uh, you know, that's been torn asunder. And uh, this Christian population once in the high 70s is now due to uh, the influx of refugees and the uh, uh, focus on the, the Muslim populations is, is falling under a third of the population. And uh, it's really, uh, you know, instead of uh, a, uh, you know, health and safety issue, it's economic mm-hmm. uh, strangulation and, and persecution. And that's been the plan. And it's been ongoing, but, uh, you know, this effort to help it uh, prop up the the uh, Christian population and many of the diaspora in the United States, uh, you know, really doing uh, hero work behind the scenes. But the latest events of, uh, well, COVID uh, certainly didn't help, but the explosion just, you know, really the, the final nail in the coffin. Absolutely. And Todd, is, is there hope? And, and, and what, what, what can we do about it? Oh, well, um, you know, the, the, the Maronite Christians, they are extremely strong people, and they've fought in many civil wars, beating back Syrians to protect their land. These are tough people. They don't want to leave their country. And if you visited there, you'd understand why. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just uh, gorgeous has significant religious uh, uh, experiences uh, mentioned in the Bible 150 plus times. Uh, but you know they will continue to fight, but they need help. And one in ten uh, before the blast uh, that graduated from college uh, can't find a job in Lebanon. Uh, as Barry mentioned, you know lack of a, a really a, a social security system is. Is bad enough. The government's been promising and not delivering on a savings program that uh, you know can take the place of having that uh, safety net. Yeah, uh, there'll be a lot of sources to be able to support uh, 
you know, these things. But the, but the people, the, uh, the government is incapable of helping now in this situation and it's dire. So there is debris that volunteers clean up in the streets that the government won't remove. They're sending assistances that is meant for those who've been directly impacted, losing their homes, uh, that is now on their way to other neighborhoods far, far away from the blast uh, in Muslim populations. There's been caravans. You would not believe trucks in the 20, 30 strong, large trucks carrying fuel and food up into Syria before the blast. This yeah. is typical uh, well, Todd, Todd, I've got a hard stop at the bottom of the hour, so I want to thank you, uh, Todd Granger and Rabbi Barry Axler, for your incredible work spotlighting the plight, uh, again, of the Christian population, both Iraq and then Lebanon. And our listeners, we will link to some of those resources, some of those aid um, on my website. Todd and Barry, thank you so much for joining me on the air. You're welcome. It's, thank it's you so an much. Absolutely. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560 The Answer.